sing, preach, whatever. Amen. Whatever the Lord would lead you to tonight. Why don't we give him a hand clap? Come on, let's clap our hands to the Lord. And thank him for his goodness tonight. Somebody shout to the Lord on this Monday night. Tell him how good he is. Jesus, he is wonderful. What a wonderful time in the presence of the Lord. Uh, yesterday we had a great time. Fellowship yesterday afternoon and yesterday evening. Just enjoyed being back with family and spending time together. Uh, and I, I'll tell you what, I, I just have a sense that the Lord is up to something here over these next few days and over the next several months. What I'd like for us to do is to lift our voices and pray. I want you to lift your hands, and I want you to invite the Lord on this Monday night. Would you say, Lord, come and change me. Empower me to be more like you. Would you do that tonight? Come on, lift your voice to the Lord. Let's, let's talk to him. Let's speak it into the atmosphere. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I speak to parts and, and pieces and ideas that have been trained to, to think and respond and interact in certain ways that, that would continually push us into regular habit I speak to them right now father and I thank you that by the power of your word they would move out of the way and that you would give us fresh clarity that you would give us fresh boldness tonight I speak it into the atmosphere Lord thank you for what you've done for what you're about to do somebody shout that wonderful name Jesus I want you to take the next 45 seconds I want you to clap your hands to the Lord Come on, somebody. We're not starting again tonight. We ain't starting again tonight. We're just picking up where we left off. Somebody needs to just move forward and just shout to the Lord just a moment for what he's prepared to do over the next few moments. so grateful for my friend Pastor Cook and for his family Jody and I and our boys we are so grateful for them so a lot of times because in pastoral ministry and in, in any position of leadership we get so busy doing what we're called to do that a lot of times we really don't take time to appreciate or really pay attention to the opportunity that we walk in but this is a feller that really recognizes uh, 
the blessing of the position that God has called them in. And, and he said yesterday, when he grows up, he wants to be like. Well, on the other side of that, when I grow up, I want to be like. Because there's so many great qualities, and I know you all know this, but I just wanted to remind you, you are blessed with some great leadership. They, they, uh, they exemplify the office of pastoral ministry to the highest degree. And I'm grateful for that, and I know that you are. And I can see that the church benefits from being under that care and under that covering. Because in times that we live in, it's good to know that there are men and women of God who will not only stand with the people of God, but sometimes they stand for us. And I'm, I'm just grateful for that. And I see the effect and the leadership teams and the worship teams. I see the effect that it has not only on this local church, but on this city. You can sense the effect of it. And what a blessing it is to, to be a part of that these, these few days. And, and I really look forward to great things that God is going to be doing uh, over the next several months here. It's different now, some, some old writer said one time. It's different now than it was just two days ago. It's different now. Our prayers are not the same. Our interaction with God is not the same. And so we're walking in new territory. If you feel a little nervous, you ought to. Because we're on new turf as we walk into the next... Uh, several months of this year. I'm in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 2, uh, and, and I'm just going to be referencing a couple of points in that writing in the book of Nehemiah. They were rebuilding what was the ruins of Jerusalem. Nehemiah and the priesthood, Jerusalem had been plundered, torn to pieces. Everyone say pieces. And it had been that way for several years until God began to wake the heart of the prophets and wake the heart of the people because they were so scattered. The building was scattered. The temple was scattered. The altar and the holy place was scattered into pieces. And they began to be troubled. And Nehemiah, the second chapter, records parts of the story. As they began to rebuild, verse 17, the second chapter. You see the trouble that we're in, how that Jerusalem lies in ruins. The gates have been burned, the entry places to the holy Let's rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we'll no longer be a disgrace. And then the author speaking, I told them how the gracious hand of God was upon me and what the king had said to me because the king had given them favor and given them leave that they could rebuild the wall. So they replied, let's start building. If you were to read the entire chapter, you would find characters not only interested in rebuilding, but other characters who oppose the rebuilding. There are those that stood by and said, what do, you, what do you think you're doing with these pieces and parts? 
But what do you propose to do with something that is completely ruined? Verse 20, the answer, the God of heaven will give us success. And we will start building along with our servants so that there is no shame that would come to Jerusalem. God will give us success. The chapter continues. They rebuilt every gate to the city. Eventually, in the writing, they rebuilt the entryways not only into the city itself, but into the courts of the temple, the gate into the inner court of the temple, and ultimately the altar so that they could resume sacrifices. The idea was Jerusalem was in pieces, and the enemy wanted to make sure it stayed in pieces, but God awakened a generation, Nehemiah, Hezekiah, and a generation of, of priests who began to be troubled that here we lie in ruins and pieces. And the mockers that sat by said, there's nothing left of this place. I mean, it's a Monday night. There ain't half the people here. What do you propose that God would do? I mean, do you know how much that sister has done? Have you seen the mess their families? Do you know? Do you know the rap sheet on that brother? And have you seen? There ain't nothing left for God to use. Or, or maybe you do that to yourself and say, "Man, I have, I have done, uh, so many times. I've come to this place and frustrated. There is nothing left. You've been beaten down emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, to where you, like Jerusalem, lie." In ruins, I want to prophesy for the next few moments to pieces. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I release you by your word and the power of your spirit to work through me in this house tonight and that you would help us, that you would empower us into this great revival that you are pushing and, and ever so gently prodding and calling us into. Lord, I thank you. For what you've done and what you're about to do in Jesus' name. Clap your hands one more time to the Lord. And you can be seated. So here lie Jerusalem in ruins. The siege of, of Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. Took what once was a powerful edifice. A hopeful spiritual place. And threw it in shambles. The walls were torn down, the temple was destroyed, the holy place was desecrated, the altar of God was buried under a bunch of rubble of, of catastrophe, shattered shells of what used to be great. You've heard it. You might even hear Kenfo said, oh, we had great revivals back then. A boy, a couple years ago, I was shouting every time we opened the church doors. You, you've heard the stories or you've even rehearsed them yourself. I remember a word that was spoken over me way, way back yonder. But now, now I, there's just been so much going on in my life, brother. I just can't. I, just, I, I've, I have reinvented the work of God in my life because I, I just can't believe that God would still do this. And, and it's in the heart of the people. You, you read it in the text. I've abbreviated the text and just walk you through our opening text because it's quite lengthy. But you, you can sense it in the heart of the people that there, there was a group that said, why do we sit here and cry over pieces? What, there, there's something among the pieces that... Evidently, God was interested in, and then there was an enemy of those pieces who said, "You're going to fool." Oh, you see the big pile of mess it is, 
and you're going to fool with that? So there, there is opposition. Why did they return? Because they remembered the former glory of the house. They remembered that these were not just gates, but they opened towards somewhere. And this was not just a temple, but it housed the altar of God where sacrifices were accepted. And it wasn't just an altar of God. It was the holy place. And it was there between the cherubim where the Ark of the Covenant sat and the God of Heaven would speak and the blood sacrifice annually would be accepted by the people. It wasn't just a pile of rubble. These pieces meant something. Hello, I'm, I'm telling you. Now we get together in the house of God and, and we really don't understand what this is. Great buildings, great complex, great leadership, great people, great everything. But sometimes we get so scattered in our emotions and spiritually that it looks like the enemy just kind of uh, has mastery over. And I've seen churches operating in just bits and pieces when the fire of God is just inches below the surface. I've seen people, what would be powerful people of God, about to give up. There's some folks sitting in here on this Monday night. You, you think you're reconfiguring your future based on some stuff that's happened in your life. And you think God doesn't know about it? You think God's not acquainted with it? But you say, well, there's just bits and pieces here that I'm working with. So I've got to, I've got to kick back and reconfigure that. You wait just one minute and let's apply the word of God to your reconfiguration. And let me show you what God can do with torn up, little old, look like there's nothing left. I wish I could get somebody to just shout to him and say, thank you, God, for what you can do with broken, messed up things. It looked like hopeless, those that lived at that time. The temple in shambles. Nothing left. There was no hope. Let me tell you, this book, this what we call the Bible, it is a book of broken things. That's all it is. From the, you look at it. First two chapters, they jacked up people. And in every other chapter, they cannot get it right to save their soul or any of the kinfolk. It is a book of broken things, not perfect fixtures that everybody, and, and it, it cracks me up when you start getting around people. Well, in our church, now, now we just don't do like that. Have you ever meet, met people like that? You know they're fake. You know, we, I, we meet these people, and there can be sweet people, don't get me wrong, but like sweet all the time, you know they go home and cuss each other out. I mean, there's life to be lived. And there's real things that happen to people. Okay? And, and so we, we, we get intimidated when we see this. And we compare ourselves to things that look perfect. We dismiss ourselves because, well, we're broken. We come from messed up stuff. But this is a book of broken things. Of hopeless, discarded things. Jesus told the wise men of his time, the wise men of his time said, there, there's no reason why uh, he, would, he would come for any of these paupers. And, and Jesus said, uh, I ain't here but for the people that are sick. The only reason I came was for those that need help, that need a physician. I'm here because of the broken things. And, but here, all of the intellect is trying to dismiss it. When God came to make a covenant, you think about this. God chose a family. When God went to cut covenant with humanity, he should have 
by all human accounts, maybe he should have went to the Kardashians. But instead, he went to Abram's family, who historically, his daddy was known as the town drunkard, who owned a business that made idols that opposed the living God. And God said, now I can use that. I I can build a nation out of that. God's used to working with pieces and broken things. And He chose to found our faith on a broken family. Well, why is it important for us to understand? Because I want you to know something right now as we walk boldly into 2024. God is not looking for perfection. He's looking for willingness. And God is not interested in your pedigree. And God's not interested in how many times you've messed up. It's the pieces that he's after. And on this Monday night, I I sense that something is going to be resurrected in somebody. Some old word that has been spoken. Don't just discard it yet. Read about the many follies and mess ups of the great men and women of God that we reference on a weekly basis. You read their backstory, and some of it make you sick. But that's real people, and that's pieces, and that's what God works with. Most people would throw them away, but God's in the pieces business. You you think, well, there's no reason that God would use me. There's no reason why the, the Lord would allow the gift of grace to flow in my life. It might be that 99.9% of you tonight is a failure. God ain't here for that 99.9%. He's here for the 1%. And let's say, for example, that every department and that every leader in this building was messed up and doing dumb things and couldn't get it right. I got news for you. The very reason that God wants to give revival to this church and to this city and to these people and to this nation is because that 99.9% of it is completely failing. And only 1% of it can barely stand. It's in shambles and pieces. And God said, I'm in the pieces business. So let me take that whatever's left of your shout. Let me take whatever's left of your prayer life. Let me take whatever's left of that prophetic word that you've held on to. Let me take that little piece. Maybe tonight you're failing, you're faltering, need to repair, and the glory of God is, is desperately pressing its way in on you. Just a pile of ashes is all you feel like. <laughs> few weeks ago I was out uh, working on the back side of the property and, and I'm one of these individuals that's really frustrating to work with because I have, a, I have a work sheet and an item list and so that I, and before I even walk out to do anything if every item is not on the list I ain't going anywhere because if I get all the way out there after run back, I get mean and frustrated, and then nobody wants to work with me. And then I'm like, "We're wasting all this time. I have to run to the other end of the property." So I get out there, and uh, I had been out a few days previous to that because we had a, some gathering, and we had burned a big fire pit, and 
had, had burned a bunch of stuff that needed to be burned that was just, just a heap. And so we got rid of that, and, but it had rained and it had been four or five days along the way. And I had another project list. Uh, and I carried all this stuff out there, stuff that had to be burned, stuff that had to be taken care of, and it needed to be taken care of that day. And we had uh, folks coming that evening, so it needed to be taken care of. I get all the way out there. And did not bring any kind of a lighter in the least bit whatsoever. And I, I, I thought, man, what kind of a mess is this now? Here I'm all the way out here. I'm, I'm going to rub sticks together for the next 45 minutes. And so I just frustrated. Just threw the stuff in the pile, soaking wet. It had been filled with rainwater and soaking wet. And threw stuff in the pile, frustrated. Go back, walk to the other end of the property. And I went and thought, well, I guess I'll start working on something else and then come back around to it. And I... 15, 20 minutes later, turn out, walk back. And there's this pillar of smoke. And I thought, what in the world is that? My, my tractor's burning up, surely. I run out, and that whole pile is just engulfed in flames. And I thought, what in the world? So I, I went to the pile, look. Nothing but wet mud and ashes, but somewhere below there, from four or five days earlier, was a coal sitting underneath that just took a little bit of wind, just took a little bit of stuff, looked like nothing. And in a matter of just a few minutes of the wind blowing and something there that would light, all of a sudden it became the inferno that I couldn't get done. Maybe spiritually, that's what it looks like. And you're sitting there thinking, oh, they're talking about revival coming in 2024. If they knew my family. If, they, if he only knew what I'm dealing with in my mind. Honey, you don't need nothing but a little bit of wind and something that'll burn. That's all you need. You might be looking at a big muddy mess. But I'm telling you by the Spirit of God... God is going to start consuming this thing and it's going to come to life. Pieces, he can, he can use it. And he wants to show us how that he can restore, how that he can empower pieces. We were, Jody and I were ministering uh, in another part of the world a few years ago. And we got into this open door where it was a notable family. Matter of fact, if you watch any Christian television, you have seen this on the other side of the world. You have seen this family. You have seen these people. Very, very large church. Probably about thirty or 50,000 people in the church and in the network. And they own Bible schools and all this stuff. And we got an opportunity to go and, and to speak and uh, to do some things at some of their campuses. And the head of it was this lady. And she was really sweet when we first met her until we got alone in the vehicle. And we were driving two hours. We're out in the middle of a third world country. And we had got into the meeting and I just was saying some things that were evidently agitating her. So she got up in, in the meeting and walked up behind me and told me, stop. 
stop what you're doing. You're, you're causing offense. You're creating trouble. Like we're having this conversation in front of all these people. So I just kept doing what the Lord told me to do. Had a great altar call. Jody took in charge of that. And started praying with people. And, and uh, we get in the vehicle to head back to the hotels. Two-hour drive. The taxi driver couldn't drive. And, uh, like, he was from Bowling Green or something, man. He was like... And uh, he... I hope there's nobody here from Bowling Green or that's a taxi driver. Don't get offended. It's just part of the setup. And uh, he couldn't drive. About God has killed two or three times. And this lady starts confronting me on these doctrinal issues that I've been talking about. And so I thought... I needed to correct her. She was wrong. And I said, well, dear, that's, that is not what the Bible says. Well, I think it is. And she, we start bickering back and forth. So she escalates. She turns around. The seat, like, spins around like in an RV. She spun around. I'm like, okay, queen mother. And uh, she spun around. She's telling me, this is not, this is. And I said, well, honey, the Bible says. And the Bible says this. And, and anybody that denies that, uh, obviously they have an issue with the word of God, not with the people. That, and we kept going, well, she had her opinion. And finally Jody's like, she hits me kind of off to the side. Shut up. I said, but I'm telling, I said, that lady's operating in a spirit. And she is trying, and Jody said, we got two hours to get back to the hotel in a third world country. And whether God's talking or not, I'm not walking back. So wait and have your argument when it pulls up to the hotel. So, see, she's quality control. I'm part-time quality, okay? And so we get to the hotel. And, and, and I, I was so troubled because I thought, why would she, this, this woman was so sweet, but she just bickered and fought. We had the hotel room, and I thought, well, we ruined that meeting because of what had happened, and so... I was a little upset by that, and, and I didn't understand why would the Lord bring us all the way there and then allow this meeting. We get to the hotel, the, to the room, and I just later thought about it, and I get a call about 12.30 in the evening, and uh, this brother says, would you meet my wife and I in the cafe in the lobby of your hotel? Well, who are you? I'm the son of this woman that runs this organization okay he said I heard about what happened earlier and I thought oh wonderful so he but he's the son and I'm willing to take a beating if I need it so I said absolutely I'll come and I thought well I'd explain to him how it happened and whatever we sit down and uh, him and his wife said we had a dream about you two nights ago and he said, but let me back up a little bit. He said, my daddy, the elder who passed away seven years ago, was a truth-preaching, one God, tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-filled man of God. But he said, our family got hurt, wounded, did some things that they shouldn't have, and we got all mixed up. And he said, so my mother decided we'll start a different organization opposite of them out of spite. 
But he said, I'm here to tell you that two nights ago I had a dream that God said, I'm going to restore your family. And the word of God that your daddy preached will come alive again. And he said, when I heard what happened, I knew that you're the vessel that God is using to raise this thing up. Now, the short of that story is, moving ahead now a few years, those Bible teacher campuses have been handed over to us over the last several years. And every last one of them are teaching apostolic doctrine. That let me know. I don't care how far they are, how angry they are, how hurt they are, and whatever pieces might be lying there. God said, I'm going to raise them up and make them a part of this end time revival. There's pieces strode, pieces of hope strode all over this region. And some of y'all's kinfolk and family members scattered like a shattered glass. And God said, I, the revival that I'm doing is with the pieces. And I'm going to use this church and the message of this church and the love of this church. Y'all need to lift your hands right now. You need to lift your hands right now and just talk to the Lord. God wants us to know that this time we're going to use the pieces. So prophetically, God took Jeremiah and he said, I could take you to the mall. I could take you to downtown Broadway and show you where all the pretty vessels are and where everybody does their shopping. But I'm not going to. I'm going to take you down to the potter's house. And show you a messed up vessel that is just broken and twisted in pieces. So he took the prophet Jeremiah. Why did he do that? Because he wanted Jeremiah to know restoration is not going to look professional. It's not going to look politically correct. And it is not going to come easy. And it's going to be the ugliest mess you've ever seen. It's going to be in bits and pieces lying everywhere. So he took him down to the potter's house. This is recorded in the 18th chapter of the book of the prophet Jeremiah. And the Lord took him to the house and showed him the, the, the work that was being done on the wheel. And it was messed up. The Bible said it wasn't just messed up. It was messed up in the hands of the potter. In other words, God has the ultimate control, not you and me. So it can be messed up as it wants to. God said, I'm in charge of the storyline. I get to write this thing out. I get to do the final edit. Don't forget that. So he showed him this, this work that was torn up and in pieces. And God said, Jeremiah, if you think, don't you think that if I could do this with a piece of clay, I could do this with a nation? If you think I could do this with a bunch of broken pieces, don't you think I could raise up a nation out of this? I'm telling you what God has wanted to accomplish through peace pieces why am i speaking this into this environment tonight 
because there's a lot of people sitting in this house. You've, uh, you have undergone some kind of devastation in your life and your history. You have some kind of uh, critical error that seems like I've got nothing left for God to use. Or it has emotionally become your way of thinking. So you're operating in bits and pieces. Ezekiel chapter 37. It's a chapter about the restoration of Israel. Chapter about a, a, a prophetic literal vision of God restoring an entire nation. Wow. Wonder what that looks like in IMAX. Wow, that, that must really be something. And God said, well, let me show you, prophet, what it looks like. And God put his hand on the prophet, took him over a valley, and all it was was a, a bunch of dry, junked up bones and pieces. That's all it was. And Ezekiel said, paraphrasing, he said, all I could see for miles was dry, broken pieces. And then God says, do you think they'll come together? Do you think they'll live? Do you think there's any hope? The prophet answers in, in the 37th chapter of the book of Ezekiel. And, and in, in the King James English, he says, Lord, only you know whether they will. But expounding in common English where humanity is concerned, if you're asking me, no, they can't. But if, you're, if it's rhetorical, you know the answer. And you're the only one that could make them live. But if you're asking me, I don't think you could do much. There's probably not much left to work with in my life. If you're asking me, there's probably not much left you could do. God took the prophet over this valley of dry bones. And he said, the spirit of the Lord brought me into that equation. Brought me into that vision. And the Lord said, prophesy to these pieces. Talk to the pieces. Don't worry about talking to the, the families and don't worry about bickering and arguing with people that think they know it all. Talk to the junk. Don't, don't get caught up in conversations with people who think they've got it all figured. I'm just going to give God a little time and I'm just going to do this. Uh, don't talk. Just, just, just prophesy to the bones. Spend some time with the pieces. That's what brought me to the pulpit tonight. Was God prompted me and said, I want you just to prophesy to the pieces. I want you to talk to the pieces. And the stuff that hadn't been talked to in a long time. Some of y'all, God talked to you five years ago, ten years ago. You've been through so much. You completely have forgotten what God said. I'm here tonight to raise it back up and remind you. Not only did he say it, he's going to make good on it. And y'all had some praying kinfolk. Maybe they've gone on, but brother, their prayers have not gone on. Their prayers are alive. And the Word of God is alive. And everything that He has promised to do and then some is going to come to pass. So I needed to take uh, just a moment on this great entrance into 2024 and talk to the pieces and talk to the bits and the, 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 the shambles and, and the little tiny remnants that might be left because that's where the revival is. And some in the recesses of some of y'all spirits sitting here tonight, I'm talking to it and it resonates. There's a frequency. As a matter of fact, I heard the Lord tell me just a moment ago, the reason I allowed what I have allowed in this church over the last several months is because I want you to be able to communicate on my 
frequency and not the frequency of this world. You've been reactive, but I'm going to make you proactive for my kingdom. So I've dialed you into kingdom frequency, and I'm going to give you a mouth to prophesy over bits and pieces. Walk down the highways and the byways and the side streets and talk to the pieces and pray over the pieces. Ezekiel said, I prophesied to them as I was commanded. And while I did, these pieces suddenly gathered strength. There was a noise. There was a sound. And things started coming together. These pieces were no longer apart. But they began to raise up. And at the end of the vision, he said, I saw an exceeding great army stand on its feet. I saw what once was a useless pile of pieces become the greatest army Israel had ever seen. I'm telling you that today in this time and in this moment in God's history on earth it might look like just a pile of nothing but over the next several weeks God by his spirit is going to raise it up and it's going to be the greatest generation ever witnessed since Adam crusted the bottom of his foot with the terra firma of this place we call the earth I'm telling you that end time revival is not coming it is upon us I'm prophesying to bits and pieces because the Lord wants to breathe life into them I wish I could get somebody to give God praise I'm talking to your valley of forgotten prayers I'm talking to your valley of forgotten dreams and forgotten prophecies they might be bones to others but they're not to us they might be just bones to other people but they're not to us Prophet Elijah dies. And the Bible said, quote, 2 Kings chapter 13. Elijah died and was buried. End of story. Now, if you look at the life of Elisha and the gift that he walked in and the miracles that God did through him, powerful. And, and what stories could be told, but the end of it is, he died and was buried. And it looked like it was over. Now, the scripture continues, there were Moabite raiders. And they used to enter the countryside every spring. And one time, while Israelites were there burying one of their friends, they saw this band of raiders. And in order to hasten the funeral procession along, they just opened the prophet's tomb and threw the body in there on these old pieces. And the Bible said when the body touched the pieces, he stood up and came back alive. And you can imagine the stories. You, you, and you thought, well, there ain't nothing left of it. It's just dead and gone. And God said it could have laid there for a long time and looked like it's dead and gone. But I'm going to use it to raise up things you thought were dead and make them come back alive. And they're not just going to come to life. They're going to prophesy. They're going to work. They're going to be gifted. They're going to interact with the kingdom of heaven. God uses pieces. Might have been a long time dead. But it only took a moment for the body that was thrown there to touch those pieces. You hear the word of the Lord tonight. This old prophet, beaten, worn, torn, tattered, discarded. Some historians believe that the Apostle Paul, 
At one point in his life was a great stately man, well-spoken, fairly good-looking, well-groomed, and a highly regarded social individual. But later in his life, after he suffered what he had suffered for the cause of Christ, after shipwreck, after being rejected by friends, beaten up, left for dead, many other attempted murders on his life, other violence, prison sentences. Historians say that he was not the same man physically by the time he had aged. That he was bent, over, crippled, and barely even the shadow of the man that he used to be. Couldn't get around like he used to, but believed more than he ever did. Locked in prison, you can read his letters. Timothy, don't forget to tell him. Timothy, don't forget the books and my coat the next time you come. Why is this important, Paul? Because I can't make it around like I used to. He got in a meeting one night. And he suddenly began to feel the virtue of God wanting to touch some people. And he couldn't get to the people. But he said, Timothy, hey, bring me my coat over here. And this tearing apart pieces of the coats in here. You take this over that village lady over there. You take this over here. You take this over there. It's just a piece of my coat. But God can do more than with pieces than I could do if I showed up there myself. And they, the Bible said they took pieces of, of his handkerchief and of his cloak and when they took it to people and they touched them, their families were raised up and bodies were put back together. History continues to tell other parallel stories of miracles that happened when just the pieces of what Paul was wearing arrived. It doesn't have to do with a rag. It's got everything to do with something that used to be and didn't look like it was ever going to be again. And God said, I can take a rag and raise up a revival in a household. I can take a piece of pottery and raise up a nation. I can take a supernatural vision and I can make a whole world fall into the hands of one of the greatest works of God ever known. Pieces. You imagine tonight, you're tired, and you feel like sometimes when you get into the house of God, there's just a piece of me left here. And God said, long as it's the last piece, we're doing good. I've been through so much, I just don't feel like I can go on. And the Lord said, that's all right. Just bring me that last piece. And I'll take it, and I'll birth a miracle out of it. And I'll bring healing through your brokenness. And I'll bring restoration through. Maybe you sit here tonight, you're like, my family's been broken up. Marriage is barely holding on. I'm probably not the poster child for what you're talking about, preacher. God said, yeah, you are. You, you just bring the little bit of whatever it is you have left. Whatever prayer you have left, whatever shout you have left, whatever joy. Have y'all ever been to that place where you're like, I'm so tired. I just, I don't even feel like shouting. I'm just going to sit here and hang on for dear life. I dare you tonight over the next 45 seconds. Bring that to this altar. And let God, just, just with whatever's left of you. Bring that and say, this, you know what, Lord, I'd like to present you with a great vessel to use for 2024, but this is what I got left. And God will tell you the moment you get here, that's all I need to do, something I've never been able to do in this world. 
And in this house, on this Monday night, this is not a subject content that I put together for a, uh, because I had planned ahead. I woke up this morning and the Lord said, I want you to talk to pieces. I want you to talk to parts and pieces. Because if you'll talk to them, I can work. And now I have let the word of the Lord go forth tonight. And I promise you, I'm standing right now exactly where God told me to stand and saying exactly what God told me to say. And I promise you that God is going to take whatever those pieces are and He's going to raise up something powerful out of you and your household and whatever it is that you've been praying. Thank you, honey, for hearing the voice of the Lord and just responding in faith because there's something. Thank you, brother, for doing that because there's something that the Lord with, with whatever is left I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe you've got a prayer that you've been praying and you only got three words of it left bring it and get up in this altar when you get this altar I want you to just open your mouth and say here's the three words I've got left this prayer God I, I, here's the two thoughts I've been thinking over and over again and I just feel like I've been hitting a wall bring the pieces We got lost loved ones, Lord. Lost family members. We got represented here tonight hurt, pains, and mess ups. Some of us, we struggle so much with just our self worth and our self value, and we make decisions based upon this self assessment and value. We're shattered in pieces. And God, I, I, I made decisions this last year based upon my emotional response to things. I don't feel like there's nothing left to work with. I got no fight left in me. I got no joy left in me. I had no hope left in me. I had no strength left in me. Pieces. Pieces. Now, Lord, if you can do it with an old rag off from an old beat-up prophet's body, if you can do it with the dead bones lying in a valley, surely you could do it with the living tonight. Surely you can do it with the living tonight. Surely you can do it at Praise Temple tonight in Madisonville, Kentucky. I want you to touch somebody while you're praying. I want you to touch him and I want you to say, God, tonight I speak to the pieces of their life. I speak to the broken pieces. I speak to whatever's left there. God, you know it. I speak to it. I prophesy over it. 